0: two of Dust and Divinity, an ongoing conversation with makers, thinkers, and doers, where we ask big questions of the small things.
1: You know, when we, when we have these bigger conversations or when we question identity-making beliefs, then we're not just questioning theology we're not just questioning ideas or you know we're not just talking about things out there we're talking about very personal things we're talking about the foundations that we've based our identities off of or or who we are and so we're not just talking about issues we're talking about ourselves
0: welcome back to the second half of our conversation with molly and isaac where we pick up right where we left off and we dive right in enjoy the ride
1: the truth of ourselves, the truth of me or of who I am. Um, I am someone who, who loves um, navel gazing. I love doing the internal work. Um, I love peeling apart every thought and every emotion. And there are so, so many emotions. Well, I guess I should tell you where I'm at now. And where I'm at now is yeah coming out of a very interesting time of um quarantine um who knows if this is actually going to end but it feels like uh, there's there's been some sort of an arc at this point which i'm on the other side of and i was yeah i after doing so much work i thought i was in a stronger place i want to say and the um the time it took me to really process and understand what I, how I was feeling and how I was doing through quarantine really, really surprised me, I think. And so it's, it's interesting. Yeah. That that's kind of how it all happened. But um, today I find myself, yeah, in my mid thirties. And so, um, so deeply at peace. Um, If there's anything I would, I would say is, as I find, I find so much peace in, in myself um, and in my presence in the world, and that's not always been, that's not always been the case. Um, there's just a real sense of equilibrium that I currently have um, that was not there uh, before. Um, so where I came from, as I said, I grew up overseas, um, and as a third-culture kid, um, so someone who f- feels a-, a connection with either their parents' passport culture or the culture they grow up in, and, and somehow we exist in this nebulous third space. That's that's kind of really how I felt for a really long time, sort of untethered from from either end of things, and sort of floating about. It's interesting, uh, Molly, just the way that you described our coping mechanisms and the things that we pick up as as young people um, going through the world. Um, so necessary, so needed. Um, I th- I thank them um, so much. for kind of just keeping me going. Um, yeah, I remember being just questioning a lot of, of who I was and my identity. Um, as a, as a high schooler, um, Caban remembers me as, as a young person in high school. Um, gosh, I, I cried a lot in high school. If I'm remembering correctly, um, there was a lot of emotions, a lot of angst, a lot of questions. And, um, it was not till my mid20s that I I finally ran out of coping. Um, I finally my coping mechanisms had finally kind of brought me as far as they could um, and I knew that I wanted a, a deeper peace I knew that I wanted um, a, a, a something stronger something um, to be more rooted um, to yeah to find more peace I think. Um, and so that's kind of when I had to start, uh, facing the music a little bit when it came to a lot of things, but um, uh, therapy was, was, was awesome. I, <laughs> I spent nine months um, riding my bicycle from work in downtown Baltimore, like five miles in one direction to kind of like this, the outskirts of the city and sitting on a therapist couch and, and processing a lot of stuff and biking back. And I would always, especially biking back from therapy, my brain would be so full of thoughts and processing and emotions. And biking downtown Baltimore is a little bit crazy to begin with. But if you're not paying attention, um, you'll run into so many things. And I ran into so many things: moving vehicles, parked vehicles, sides of buses. <laughs> oh, just just processing so much, and it was just so wonderful to to, to be given the opportunity to sit down and just kind of unravel my childhood and unravel the things that were so um unseen to me yet yet moving in and through me and 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 making um, and pushing me to to make decisions. Um, and um yeah so wrapped up in that obviously just a, a continued uh, journey through faith and and spirituality and just um continuing to ask God so many questions and continuing to hear the resounding, just trust me, Isaac, trust the story, trust my story um, of which you are a, a beautiful part of. And um, so learning to walk with myself um, in grace has been, has been a true uh, a lesson that I've had to learn um, as I've plumbed the depths for truth. Um, I just, there's so much grace that's needed. Um, I, for myself.
2: Isaac, I love the, visualization of you i have this picture in my mind of i can just imagine riding a bike riding my bike to therapy and having that alone time with my thoughts on the bike there and then having like a a session and just being alone with your thoughts on the way home on a bike and getting that fresh air and the physical activity and i mean that just sounds like that sounds like heaven to me i love that
0: So I would imagine that the context in which you grew up had a pretty predefined view of human sexuality. And then you have been on a journey of becoming yourself that has included an expanded understanding of what it means to be human and to be present and to be a sexual person. Can you tell us some of that story and where you are in the midst of that story?
1: Yeah. As I said, so growing up, um, identity issues were always so core to me. Um, I was always very aware that I was not Mozambican. I did not belong to our, I did not come from the community that I grew up in. Um, and when I came back to the U.S., I was also keenly aware that I was not very American. And, um, and so, uh, being in most spaces, I learned to, to accept a a feeling of otherness, if you will, um, that I wasn't necessarily, yeah, a part of, um, yeah, a part of what was happening, I guess. I, I was an outside observer um, to, to many things. And so I think I, I just, I just, that was just my natural feeling of identity uh, from such an early age. And so um, uh, you know, adding uh sexuality to that um didn't feel um like that big of a deal in some ways, or maybe it was just one of many things. And so, um, yeah, growing up, I mean, obviously going through puberty and 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 whatnot, began to really understand. Okay, I'm not I'm not entirely moving through the world like everybody else. Um, in terms of relationships and dating and who you're attracted to, etc. And, uh, that was evidently clear. Um, I didn't have a lot of language or terminology for it even. Um, but I think once I got to college, um, I began to understand, okay, you know, I'm mostly attracted to men. Um, uh, yet I, I dated women in college and, you know, had other, um, uh, dating relationships. And so um, even that wasn't clear to me, even that I, I felt like I didn't fall into the, the, the letters or the categories that I was supposed to. Um, and so interestingly, I, it, that never became such a big question for me, um, as much as just who I was to people and who I was to God. I've, I've continued to sort of just walk in that, in that conversation with God. I've always wanted to be known. I've always wanted to be seen as an authentic person, um, who is open and, um, yeah, willing to share, um, what, what has been given to me. And so, yeah, my sexuality continues to be one of those things that I feel open to, to share. And, um, but, uh, it's complicated. And yet at the same time, I, I don't, I never want to be just defined by that. Um, and I think my journey and the truth that I've heard from God has been that it, it doesn't define me necessarily. Um, and that I am free to, to choose what I, I am free to choose in, in what I do with that. Um, and so for me, the invitation has been, um, at least with my same sex relationships to, to not, to be celibate in, in, in that, um, yet still to continue to live out, honestly, my, my whole being, if you will. Um, so yeah, this is, puts me in a very weird and sometimes awkward space to, um, to some on especially I'll 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 frame this within the church. Um some would see my embrace of my queer identity as 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 not good and that I shouldn't do that. Um and then others on the more progressive side of the church would would see my my choice of celibacy as um something to be sad or pitied that I'm not living into my full being or my full self. as I said, yes, I find myself in a very sometimes lonely place, um, somewhere here in the middle yet, um, as I mentioned earlier, peace, um, such peace abounds, um, as God has so clearly, um, been, been my foundation, been my, my, uh, my rock, um, and, um, finding my identity as a, as a child of God has, has truly been, um, been so so freeing, um, to be free from the expectations of, of, of people in, in some ways, um, but not to be free from people, um, but freed from their expectations, which has, I would say, truly freed me to love um, more deeply and more freely as well.
2: I love that you are able to define yourself in that way within a community that could potentially like reject you. I really think that that is so strong, and I think that's really inspiring. Thanks, Molly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm I'm very curious about about celibacy. If you don't mind
1: me asking
2: yeah. about that, yeah. So, when did you come to that realization that that's the right thing for you to do in your life?
1: Yeah. Well, growing up, obviously, um, the, 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 the theology was always that, you know, homosexuality homosexuality is wrong. Um, and that was kind of, that was kind of, it was just wrong. That was it. Um, and, um, very little vision for sort of anything else was given. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe the choice was made earlier on that this, that, that yeah, my same sex attraction was something that I wouldn't act on, that I shouldn't act on or couldn't act on. Um, but by gosh, by God's grace, um, there are so so many people in my life that have always just continued to affirm me as a whole person, not just as a sexual person. And I, I, you know, I'll even give my parents credit for this of, of how they, they constantly pushed me toward, um, relationships and friendships and um and developing that that side of who i was Um, and so i think the process of 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 choosing celibacy has been yeah has been one of just discovering that there is so much flourishing (laughs) that can be that can be had in this world and that i am more than just obviously you know who i am attracted to or I'm more than who I just decide, you know, that, um, and it's an interesting choice, but it has to be within community. It has to be done with, um, uh, a lot of truth and a lot of honesty. And, uh, there is obviously lament in there as well. Um, and, and I'll be honest, I don't put a time frame on it. It's not like I'm saying I'll be celibate forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's an important part as well, um, but just to to say that yeah, that for now this is um, this is what I think I'm being called to do, um, and yeah, harsh honesty.
2: <laughs> I love it. It's just you're you're doing what's right for you, regardless of other people's opinions, and I think that's that's a wonderful place to be in life. Um, mm. Do you have a community of other? Like gay men in in the that belong to the Christian faith that are also celibate that you can kind of like you know relate to and and have support.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, and uh, the honest question, the honest answer there would be that um, I don't know too many, honestly, um, at least not that are out or that would be <laughs> have shared that with me. Um, I I do have. I do have mentors. I do have yeah people in my life who I am very open and honest with, and who 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 hold space for me and in, in a really kind and really generous way, and and that is important, um, absolutely. Um, but I, as I said, um, it's a really yeah I I'm. I find myself holding views and, and, and choosing a lifestyle that, um, is really strange for people, um, regardless of like kind of what side of the, 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 issue you are on. And, um, I think sometimes people don't exactly know what to do, uh, with, with that, um, which is, which is fine. I don't expect them to, but, um. But to yeah, to your to your question. It's important to have those people. Um, and and I I have a few and I'm, I'm always seeking more.
2: I think that would be so important, especially I'm just putting trying to put myself in your shoes. Um, to, to be that, you know, there's a very specific thing. You know, you're a Christian man and you're you're gay and you're celibate. And I think it's so important to have people that have been like have similar experiences so they really like you just can look at the person and you know that they've been through your experience and there's such a good feeling with that like feeling fully understood and the and yeah. connected and i i hope that you find more people like that
1: yeah absolutely and um yeah and i would say that even my relationships with you know with friends who are who are queer and are, are not celibate. Um, even, even, even my relationships with them, I find so, so life-giving, um, and, and good because yeah, there is this, um, just kind of moments, uh, understanding of, of, of the experience of, of, of the other person. And, um, Yeah. yeah.
0: Isaac, I so deeply appreciate your story and I just so affirm who you are as a person and i'll say it in the language of our shared theological background i affirm the way that god made you um because i think he did make you and beautiful and wonderful and so um for whatever it's worth from someone from high school from someone who still identifies as a follower of jesus i affirm you um Mm -hmm. and i i really appreciate the way that you have come to sit with yourself by having a wide lens of who you are as a person that includes your sexuality and isn't necessarily corralled by it either one way or the other, right? Like, like you were saying that we have a way of allowing that issue to become a defining element. And I think it's a really important element. Like I think, and I think this is what maybe I'm having a hard time putting into words. We are such sexual people and so much of society doesn't have any space to have any kind of honesty about our sexuality, whether that's cis or trans or straight or gay or whatever it is. All right, so when we think about gender identity or sexual identity, there's just so little space in you know going to the grocery store or filling up gas or going to work or whatever it is to bring that part of ourselves into those spaces that when we do talk about it, it can feel like this totalizing narrative because since it's ignored in all other spaces, the one time you do talk about it, it's like, okay, now this is just everything, and I have to define my friends by it and I have to define my relationships by it and my self-worth by it and everything else. And so I appreciate that you hold space for a view of yourself that is more totalizing, that's inclusive and broader. And and I I long to be I long to see a world come to be that does that in a lot of other spaces, in our religious spaces, in our educational spaces. Um and I feel like you are someone that I can look to because I know you a little bit to say like, okay, I can learn from Isaac about how I can hold that space for myself and for others as well. Um, and so I just, I really appreciate who you are and, and cause you've obviously, you have had to do a lot of really hard, lonely work um, to be where you are.
1: Well thanks, Cape, and That's really kind of you to say. Um yeah, I yeah, I would agree with you in that, yeah, you know, we are sexual beings. Um, and but I, I I don't know, I think there's something, and I'll just maybe this is a cop out, but I'll I'll say that there's something so deeply mysterious about that. Um, and it's it's something that I carry with me, uh into the grocery store or <laughs> while I'm pumping gas or whatever. Um, and it, it, it colors and it shapes and it frames um, so much. Um, and it's, it's so much more than the physical act. I'll say that. Um, and, and I think that's what I'm, I'm happy to, I, I really want to lean into and discover more of what that looks like and what that is. And um, because I think, each of our, each of us in our, in our sexuality, um, bring, yeah, bring something, something to the world, um, if you will. And so I, I, I want to bring that to the world. I want to bring how I see and experience things, how I experience relationships, how I am attracted, all those things. Um, I want those, Yeah, I want to bring those things to the world. I want to bring them to my faith. I want to reflect them because I am created in the image of God. And um, so um, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want, you know, even, (laughs) even in my choices. Yeah, it's not black and white. Um, it's not this or that. Um, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of gray.
0: I think gray is my favorite color. The more I move through life, the more I love ambiguous spaces, spaces with undefined boundaries and unexplored depths. They are feeling more and more like the only real spaces to me, the ones that I really want to be in. And so I, I appreciate the way that, um, yeah, you're living in that space because it can be so easy to get out of the lived experience and politicize it or do some other thing with our sexuality, right? We can demonize it. um, We can ostracize it. We can praise it and elevate it. We can do all kinds of things with it. um, But to just live with it as a part of us, a very real and meaningful part of us, and live with it in the gray um, is so good. And you know, from the perspective of someone who had a highly religious upbringing and, you know, spent most of my professional career working for religious institutions. Um, man, there's so little capacity to have those ambiguous conversations. And there seems to be some kind of a fear, like somehow if we acknowledge like how we're made as human beings, that that will somehow undo thousands of years of religion which doesn't really compute to me on my radar um and but yeah there is like this really kind of existential resistance to just embracing what it means to be these multifaceted spiritual sexual neurological biological chemical creatures right made of dust living in dust and what that means for the world
1: I think that reaction is, is natural though, because, um, you know, when we, when we have these bigger conversations or when we question strongly held beliefs, identifying identity, identity making beliefs, then we're not just questioning theology. We're not just questioning ideas or, you know, we're not just talking about things out there. We're talking about very personal things. We're talking about, we're talking about, the foundations that we've based our identities off of or, or who we are. And so, you know, we're, we're not just talking about issues. We're talking about ourselves. We're talking. And, and so naturally I think we can protect ourselves, right? It's a coping mechanism to just say, Nope, I don't want to talk about this um, uh, in the gray of this or in the nuance of this. Um, I'm going to end up questioning who I am and, or feel shame. Um, and we don't want to feel shame, so we numb it or we block it out. Um, so the reaction—I'm—I'm I'm trying to learn that. Yeah, that—that's that's the strong reaction. Is—is—is—is—is um, because is, 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 is it's personal. Um, and and that's how we react when we feel like we're being personally attacked.
2: I gotta say, growing up in the church, uh, in Evangelical Christian church, which I went to church with Caban a little bit as a kid. I, I gotta say, I love you too. I think, I think you can really, you really have a place in the Christian community where you can do so much good and hopefully help people open their minds and, um, and, and be more inclusive and loving. And I mean, I, I haven't been a part of the Christian church in a very long time, I gotta say, so I don't know how it is now, but, growing up, I remember there were, it was very black and white, you know, you're a man or you're a woman, you're a Christian or you're not, which means you're good or you're evil, you're straight or you're gay. Um, And it didn't, it didn't feel fluid. It didn't feel like people could really be themselves. You had to pick a box in a category and then put yourself in it. And there's no room for growth or, or like expanding. I feel like that was frowned upon. And um, at least just in my personal experience with Christianity. And that is something that as a woman really pushed me away from the religion, or I should say from the church, you know? Um, Cause as a woman, you're also, you're you in the female category, which is, I feel like there's a lot of restriction there. I don't feel like there's a lot of room to grow and expand and, and also be accepted. Uh, and then I can't, you know, I mean, I, I, this is on a totally different tangent, but I think that eventually everything is going to be very fluid. It's like sexuality won't be people won't have so many labels, you know? And I think that, I think when we get to that place in society, I think that's gonna be something beautiful. And I think if that can also exist in Christianity, I think that's also beautiful.
0: Cause I love the way you articulated it, that you had to pick a box and then put yourself into it and then expanding was frowned upon. And I have so deeply and personally experienced that in my own journey in a number of different areas. And I'm not convinced that this is where I'm going to end, but this is where I am right now in my processing is that I see it as a matter of control, right? It's so much easier to control in binaries, which is why we see our current leadership doing the things that they're doing. They're creating false binaries to help control a certain segment of the population. And the more gray it is, the less control it is, which if we got into some really kind of meta theology, you could say, well, that is an even stronger argument for a belief in a God, but, um, that there might be some other more superior being out there who actually can navigate the gray in a safe way that we humans utterly fail to, because we lose control in the gray and human institutions, which the church is run by humans, (laughs) Um, man, we love control. We love power. I mean, you just trace back any institutional relationship to society over any more than about 50 years. And it always capitulates to power and control. And, and I used to really vilify that. And maybe I'm beginning to emerge into a space where I'm a little bit more compassionate towards it and just recognize like, well, of course we capitulate to power and control because we're human beings. Like the very act of being human means that when I'm given something to leverage over a group of people, it's going to happen. And I might do it altruistically for a really, really long time, but then there's still some other subtle ways that I'm unaware of where like my shadow self is creeping out and grabbing control and manipulating power to my advantage or doing these other things. And, and so I'm I'm trying to build a capacity for compassion Because I so naturally just become judgmental um, and critical of systems that prey upon power structures and binary dogmas are one of the oldest tricks in the book for power and control over populations. For me, when I see it, I can't unsee it kind of a thing. And so now I just see it everywhere and it's like maddening to me because it just appears so false and flimsy. Like once you're like, well, but it doesn't have to be a binary. There could be a third way, right? Isaac, you're a third culture kid and your path of sexuality has led you on this third path that isn't very commonly embraced. And there is at least a third way, if not a fourth and a fifth and an eighth and a 27th way in most things in life, but we lose control of them because we're such limited human beings, we can really only handle two things, right? Do I want cake or ice cream? Don't give me any more options. Um, I lose control of the situation. And and then when it's not just my own personal control, but I'm making choices or asking other people to make choices and buy into something as a collective whole, we so quickly lose control because we're so limited in our own humanity. Um, and yet that's where the most life is had, right? In that space of mystery and wonder and ambiguity and exploration and just saying, you know what? I'm not afraid of what's around the next bend and we're just going to kind of go. I don't even know if society could hold itself together if we all embrace that kind of ambiguity. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, I sure wish there was more space for it than there is right now. I don't know. I'm, I'm very much in the middle of it. I'm just, I'm even just going way back in the conversation when we were talking about quarantine and you were talking about doing the internal work and quarantine, bringing up things that you hadn't had to think about or or you thought were resolved and suddenly they're not, and you're pronating back into the rut or the trough of life. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I feel like you just read like the visual diary of my last two weeks because man, I did a lot of internal work. So I have a lot of language and it's even gotten to the place where like, my wife and I are referring to some of that to describe my behaviors. And I have gotten caught in that cycle of just being stuck in it, of being like, yeah, no, I get that I'm doing all those things that are triggers for you and for me and for our kids. Like I get that I'm doing that and I don't have an off ramp. Like I, you know what Like I'm, I'm, isn't that the most frustrating thing? Oh my gosh.
1: It's so frustrating to so to, like, frustrating. to have done the work and to see it and to see it, like see it coming down the pipeline and to, to know, okay, as soon as I start exhibiting these behaviors, or I start saying this, or I start gravitating towards this, whatever, I know that something's off. I know that I'm not well. Um, and. And almost at the same time, that sense of hope, helplessness, (laughs) or that you're caught in a a tractor beam of whatever. And there, you're just, you're going to have to go through it. You're just going to have to go through this. Um, and that's where the grace comes in. Gosh, guys, if there's anything I could just tell you, it's be so gentle, be so kind to yourself and your, your tractor beam of, garbage that you have to work through on occasion on a cycle probably. Um, but know that every cycle you're stronger. I think that with every season of, of work, um, that you're, you're better. Um, I, I mean, I think I've heard this from, from both of you so far that, uh, being in our thirties, it's good. Like it's, it's good to have, have time and to have water under the bridge, um, to, to, to process things and just to have a deeper sense of perspective on, on things. And so even though you can go through a time of disruption and know, okay, okay, it's coming up here. are The things I'm seeing them, um, to know that you're still okay. Um, and that even though it's hard and it's difficult, um, yeah, that you're you're going to work through it. Like you have the tools, you have you have the clarity um, to do it. Even though it's hard, to still go through and do it
0: and that's our show thank you so much for joining this ongoing conversation as we seek to unearth meaning in the everyday stuff of life for show notes or to connect with this community of seekers visit us online at www.ofdustanddivinity.com join our facebook group which is called of dust and divinity podcast community and engage us on instagram at of dust and divinity all one word hey and if this conversation was meaningful to you like it was meaningful to me Leave a rating and a review on your favorite streaming platforms so that more people just like us can discover this podcast and join in the conversation themselves. And don't forget to subscribe. Here is a sneak peek of the next episode. Enjoy.
3: I actually had to medically withdraw from my first school at University of South Carolina because my doctor said, get her out of there. She's dying. Um, we think I was septic at that time. and. Um, so, I finished up school in Atlanta at a small liberal arts school so it could be near doctors, but I didn't get diagnosed until I was 26, so um, two years ago. And so 20 plus years without diagnosis and doctors telling me it was all in my head, you know? And that, that was the most frustrating part because that made, you, made me start wondering, is it all in my head? Am I just making up that I have all these health issues, you know, the brain fog, the joint issues, the just really bad immune system, which is why I'm afraid of COVID um what's going on with me and trust me my story is (laughs) is is a very common typical one um I actually got stem cell therapy fun fact um yeah I feel I'm a little bit like a science experiment which is really cool to me
0: a huge thank you to my wife for supporting this passion project and a great big thank you to Michelle Lim of Clementine Brands for all the brand content including the name of this podcast and the cover art As you go through your day, remember these words of Rainer Maria Rilke. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given to you for you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now.